Hello and welcome to your review for the 14th of March 2023. I'm your host, as always, uh, we'll get to that next week. I'm your host, as always, Graham Mackay. I'm joined by the gorgeous Christian Wolf. How are you, Christian? I'm looking forward to this intro. Uh, that, that, that was one of your best. Yeah, I'm very real, Graham. Thank you. I feel like it's, I feel it's a bit like the, the last supper this mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you go to Norway. Not mm-hmm. anywhere else. But um so so yeah, I think we should just sit down and just go all out on this one. Since you know, no regrets. Great, this is gonna be right. the last time in two weeks. So mm-hmm. it, Kristen actually gave me a message to pass on uh, before she went to bed there. She said, uh, say hi to Christian and tell him if nobody is shit, we blame him personally. People have done that. They've done that with a lot of things, Ronnie Dyla. They mm-hmm. blame me for. Uh Whenever Christopher you ducked for a ball, mm-hmm. uh, I got to blame. Um, so that's fine. That's fine by me. Because, I mean, um, she does owe me one. I've, I've, I've put a lot of work into, uh, you know, your 40th present for her. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So um, she's welcome. Um, did I, I tell I, you about the, how that made my mum cry? Did, did, did I tell you this? I, yes, because it was, was it the article... But my but dad, my dad she never yeah. knew that I'd written, so she read it for the first time in that magazine. So there you go. <laughs> Making your mom cry. Good. Enjoyable. So, Enjoyable. I speak to my mom. I was speaking to my mom uh, yesterday, as I want to do every Sunday now. Although I forgot last Sunday. Uh, I got a text Not message. Really every Sunday. I got the typical text message. Is everything okay? And I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot to call. I'm going to try tomorrow. No, no. That's okay. Just wanted to check. You're all okay. sure, of course. Sure. Okay, you, you could have just WhatsApp me and asked that. So yeah, um, but she was saying it's it is current temperature in Norway, uh, bloody cold, bloody cold. And Officially, I saw a picture of uh, Mark Braceland. So I think Mark Braceland, mm. he's in uh, Bergen mm. at the moment, and it looked about two feet of snow on the ground. So that's it, to look myself to. and Mark have been uh, actually been chatting. Uh, that you don't know about, actually. So, um, yes, he's in Bergen. He's, he's, he managed to find some uh, Liverpool pins um, that he was, he was kind of going to send to me. And he was considering going to Bran Haugesson in the fourth round of the Norwegian Cup um, as well. But it's, uh, he's going to show up. I think he's going to go down to the sports bar, Bran, and see if he can get some tickets. But I think he ended up watching Celtic Hodges, to be honest with you, on Celtic TV. So... From brand to all brand? No, that's not that's not a thing. Uh, well, I am in the happy mood because I've finished the, the boys' exams, which what I mean by that is that yeah. I split my exams into boys and girls, male and female. Why? Uh, because men have horrific handwriting and I need to get through that first. I need to, I need to drive through that when I'm marking. Hold on. They have... Oh, so they still do the exams by hand? They have to do it by hand, yeah. So they sit in an exam room and do it by hand, and the boys' handwriting can make you want to throw yourself against the wall. So It's about sexist, okay. It is, it is, it is, it is ridiculously sick. And the worst thing is, when you do get to a, a, a girl's paper and you think, oh, this is going to be a nice time, and she inexplicably has terrible handwriting, that's the, that's the worst of all of all worlds. It's almost as the, the bio, biological sex doesn't actually have an effect on handwriting. It does in 99% of, the, of handwriting, but <laughs> that 1% is what gets you. So let's move swiftly on. We, you've already mentioned Celtic Hearts, Christian, that's what we're going to start off with talking about today. 
You've already spoken about the midweek game, so we don't need to go over that. You, you spoke about that on the weekend update. You were uh, a bit jealous. You shared oh. images with another man, and yes. uh, that's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not really happy with that. But It wasn't the same as sharing them with you. That's, that's nice. so. it's, it's better, perhaps. Um, we are going <laughs> to be touching on the... Cup draw, but there may be a wee delay in that because apparently Falkirk have just equalised, so I don't know if that's going to finish on time. For fuck's sake. <laughs> but before we before we get to that anyway, we need to talk about the quarterfinal and not jump ahead to the semi. It was a very different game, and my kind of outsider point of view, not steeped in tactics, was that it was a very different type of game because we had three players back in the team that are vital to the way that we play football. Is that too simplistic to think of it that way, or is, or is that is that what you're going to be leading us through tonight? Have you done something you've never done before and read my notes? Never. I would never do okay. such a thing. Yes. I, I, that's actually where we're going to start on, on the, the tactical section uh, of this, but I thought since there's been very little public XG uh, stats for, for cup games, you know, nothing on foot mob and stuff like that. People are probably desperate to know the actual XG of the game, Graham. And I think everybody will be relieved to know that it ended Hearts 0.49 XG to Celtics 2.88. So that means we're into the semi-final of the XG Cup as well? Yes. Okay, nice. The, re- the, real, the real quiz. Mm-hmm. Um you get, you actually get a, a kettle uh, as a trophy. So, but obviously, um, that it, it was quite tight in, in the first half, as you say. Um, I think it was 0. 0.3 to 0. 0.5 XG to Celtic at the time of Kyogo's goal. That raised the XG a little bit. So, half time XG was actually 0. 0.29 to 0. 0.84 to Celtic. And then obviously, I did a couple of XG uh, in the second half as well. But Graham, you're actually absolutely right. So I wanted to slightly pare down tactic session. There's only 28 images oh. today. Um, and there's, they're, they're roughly in three parts. is Celtic in possession, Celtic out of possession. And then there's a whole, whole section on my favorite Celtic player, probably of all time, uh, Yuki uh, Kobayashi. Um, which we'll, we'll end with, but I think Celtic in possession. So, as I talked to um, with another man uh, on Friday, there's a lot of challenges for for Celtic in terms of hard high backline. You know, they they pushed up that backline quite high. They sat in a mid block room. I can't believe I discussed mid block without you. And so, essentially, that means you know protecting the middle third of the pitch, very little space between the lines. Celtic struggled to play out. And you mentioned the fullbacks. Yes. I don't think the fullbacks had, uh, centre-backs had a great game on the ball that either. And it was difficult for like players, you know, O'Reilly and Moy to find space in between the lines. And Celtic, I think occasionally they tried to go along a little bit to exploit the space behind, but didn't really quite, you know, um, work, especially at, at the first. Celtics fullback in this game, both of them, I think, really helped to break the line, you know. And it's, I think it's very conscious. I, I think they, they would have looked at that game because after just 12 seconds, which is image one, 
This is the ball going from CCV to Starfield. And you can see Greg Taylor in the top of the, of the picture. When the ball goes over to Starfield, he is starting. I mean, his, his starting position is probably a little bit, about five, 10 yards at that point inside the pitch. But as soon as the ball goes to Starfield, I think he does this very deliberately. He goes all the way out wide. And he's quite high up. He's almost at the hard, uh, on the sit line. Halfway line. Halfway line. And I think what that does, but Taylor do that, he stretches Hodge's midfield tree straight away, like horizontally. So the closest centimeter will have to go all the way out. And the way I think Greg Taylor is quite good at, well, I think we'll get to Rio Tati on this, but Greg Taylor is, is quite good at receiving the, the ball kind of sideways, you know, so he's, he's, he can open up his whole body. And what he does, you can, you know, this is like an image in three parts, but the second part is like Rio Tati. Because the kind of harsh midfield trees kind of being stretched a bit, it does create the space for Hatata to drop between the lines. Mm. What happened a lot, and it happens again, is one of this harsh centre-backs, Hill here, jumps up. Then Hatata kind of makes a movement to drop, like to go further down the pitch again. But essentially what it does, it creates that movement. But I think very, very deliberately, Greg Taylor receives the ball high and wide. Boom, straight away he goes over the Hearts back line immediately. And you can see, you know, at the end of this image, how stretched they already are, that back line. And, he, you know, it goes to Haxabanovich. This is the situation when the Hatate gets the shot. So straight away, get some extra space by going really high, really wide. Boom, ball over the top. And you go, I, I think that was a warning shot to Hearts after like 14 seconds to do that. Image two, I kind of, we'll get back to kind of Taylor and, and Johnston as well, but image two, I kind of, I think it was a good illustration. So it's one image from the game on Wednesday and then another one, quite a similar situation on Saturday. And you can kind of see Graham, like those early balls over the top, this is slightly further out in half. It kind of helped drive hearts backwards often you know Celtic was kind of allowed to move the ball up a little bit higher and hearts backline was kind of falling a bit sooner to kind of avoid those early balls back behind so you can kind of see in terms of you know Starfield this is Starfield kind of bringing the ball into hearts half on Saturday, it's a bit more unopposed, but you see how further down the back line is, harsh back line, on, compared to Wednesday and now. So, uh, do, you, do you think that's the kind of um, the problem with the, the, the expectation of a home crowd? Do you, do you think that they, they didn't want to line up the way that they did at Celtic Park because they're at Tyne Castle, there should be a bit of pride about being the home team, etc., etc.? Et do you think they just wanted to try something different? No, I, I think by Celtic going early, going behind the, the defensive line quite a few times early on, I, I think they kind of go, oh, you know, we don't want to get caught out there going too high. Because it is risky going, you know, as you see in image two, how high they were on Wednesday. They didn't really, it would almost be the opposite for me. You'd think in, in, in a home game they'd be more aggressive and they want to push up and they want to 
being Celtics faces, but they kind of they ended up falling down a bit more. And I don't know if it's something to do with the personnel in the middle. I mean, <laughs> Barry Mackay was kind of behind the strike in, instead of uh, Alan Forrest. And then obviously Andy Halliday was part of the midfield tree, which I don't think really helped in terms of the pressing either. But what kind of happens from that is like, if you look at image tree, when Hart's backline in these cases falls like five, 10 yards further down, it then opens up the spaces in between the lines. Mm-hmm. And Greg Taylor is, is really good at that. When he goes wide, yeah, he can pop it over the backline. But why he's also really good at because he's kind of angling his body is playing it inwards. And in image tree, you can see the space between the harsh midfield tree and the back line. That kind of space you did you didn't get much of on Wednesday, but you also didn't have Greg Taylor there. He was is he knows what he's doing. Like he knows what to look for in terms of the runs. He knows, you know, the angle he has to be at to find reality as well. And he's got that understanding. But the nice thing was when, <laughs> so image three is after, I think, 14 minutes, but a bit further out and a half, that kind of switch that Taylor was and other players were doing between going long and going between the lines, it kept harsh guessing, mm-hmm. right? So image four is, you can see Greg Taylor receiving the ball high and wide again. You can see how far back, harsh back line actually is. Because they protect himself from that ball in behind from Taylor. But when Rio Hatate kind of gets into the space behind the midfield tree, our center back Hill jumps up. And as soon as he jumps up, Taylor just pops the ball into the space he just left. So, you know, the fullbacks with Taylor was kind of able to switch it up, keep Harsh guessing, and the harsh backline fell low to kind of protect the space behind. He would hit it between the Celtic would hit the balls between the lines. When they tried to jump up on place like Atata, uh, he just hit the you know in the space to the left. Alistair Johnson as well, and you know especially in the second half, image five is an example of this where actually both of Hart's centre backs has, has jumped up. So Hill is jumping up on Hatate, even though he's Hatate's you know really high up. Um, Rouse follow Moy, and when the ball goes out to Johnston. Because two of the hard centre back has jumped up. Kyogo is you know if one against one against one in the middle. And Alistair Johnson with a really nice pass behind Hart's two centre backs has jumped up. So image five can see that. Image six again, you know, there's big spaces between Harch midfield tree and the back line. And this seems to instance Kyogo drops deep into that space, Hatate gets in between it, but there's just so much more space. Between the lines, I think it's because Hart's back line was sitting further back. The midfield tree wasn't as compact. And then that ball from, from you know, Alistair Johnson is, I mean, it's, it's Greg Taylor-ish. You know, he's coming from the side, he's angling his body straight into that space between them as well. So, yeah, uh, I think overall, like, by going, I, I think, Graham, I think it's something that Celtic had very, very clearly looked at in the game on Wednesday. Okay, how, how do we how do we cope if they set up on this tight mid-block again? And they said, you know, threaten the space in behind. If they drop deep, you know, you can find those players in between the lines. Now, I think the full-backs here were crucial to it. I mean, often when you when you think about a singer-songwriter, you may say something like that, 
give them the highest possible compliment, saying that they're like Bob Dylan esque. Mm. Uh, you've just done that for for a fullback. You, you've just dropped a T bomb, um, yes. liking someone to Greg Taylor. Um, yes, is Greg Taylor the voice of a generation? No. Um, yes. When he plugged you... in, <laughs> essentially Greg Taylor going inverted was like, but it's Bob Dylan, you know, plugging in. Yeah. I think we we could do a pod series on this. Um, what I'm wanting to ask you here is: Is Alistair Johnson starting to? Are you starting to warm to him a little bit? Um, I I want to players when they do what I want to do. So, I, I think he had some really nice passes in these instances, and I think he he reacted well to when the situation when the centre backs jump up. He looks up. He has the overview. He hits Kyogo. This ball as well, when there is space between there, and he was finding Kyogo quite well, and, and and that's what you want him to do, like that that passing range of it. I think there's a lot more to the role to that, um, but yeah, I mean he's uh, there's a lot more to the role than just you know going inverted. You know, it's it's a lot about problem solving. It's about timing your runs, working with your like your number eights as well and I think he's in one way he, he, since he's been playing next to Aaron Moy Aaron Moy is a very different player than, than Rio Hotati as well and he's he's usually have either someone like Abada or Jota maybe on, on the right which is kind of a different thing than Dace Mayada in terms of the running as well so he have to react to that around him I think there's a lot he needs to improve on on the ball Alistair Johnson in terms of when he's actually pressured and stuff like that. But I think these are kind of these are good signs that he can react to runners in between the lines. He can kind of react to what's happening in front of him when centre backs jumps up. Because that's what I said, that's what Greg Taylor is, is good at. He he can get the ball and read the situation really well. It's probably come because he's done it for 18 months already. But yeah, so uh, I think you to be honest, you saw the difference between having Alistair Johnson there in possession and Tony Ralston. And, and I think that's that's the main thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that gap for me was so clear in, in terms of that. So yeah, that was encouraging signs. Well, you're talking about the kind of right-hand side ahead of him. Um, this is something I, I, I mentioned a few days ago, and it's about the fact that from our forwards, I think we've got is it eight forwards all, all told between central strikers and, and wide players. Uh, we don't have a left foot. <laughs> and do you think that's a problem? Do you think it's do you think it's an imbalanced issue when we have the, the left winger is always going to be right-footed, inverted, but the, we don't have the equivalent on the right-hand side? Do you think that's something that Andrew would be looking to kind of bring in in the, the summer? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I guess if you have someone who can naturally cut in, it would, you know, it would give at least another option for it. Does it impact and, the fullback, the fact that we don't have that? I mean, it, it could be. I mean, it, it, although it's the winger cutting in. I mean, if you think about it, this is maybe the, the weird thing about it is that Celtics winger are supposed to start out really wide. You know, they Celtics winger don't really invert that much within the fullback running on the outside. It's almost 
opposite. But right? more often than not, the fullback will underlap them uh, for that sense. So, and a lot of Ange's kind of philosophy on in how to get to shots and attacks is that classic ball between the fullback and the wingback, uh, sorry, between the centre-back and, and the fullback on the position's team. You know, that pass into the half space and then the cross, the cross. But that, that cross is then often, you'd have to do it with your left foot when, it, when you're on the left and you have to do it on the right when you're on your right. So I think plays like Jota and, and Haxaban, which them inverting and coming in on, on, on the right from the left is more about them getting a sh- an opportunity to shoot. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think it'd be good if I think Celtic I don't think it's a top priority, but if somebody says say if Abada leaves, there's definitely a spot uh, on there. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you can do with with a left sided winger as well. But maybe even a case of being able to hit those low crosses with your natural foot from, from each side. Mm. Or you play um Kobayashi on the on the left wing. because so, he can play there. We'll come to him. He wanted. We. I don't know if you, we'll talk about it now because I'm in control of this shit. Okay. Uh, we shared a, an article to, this morning uh, in the record from Rio Tate, and uh, Rio Tate, ever insightful, ever thoughtful, in his um, Japanese blog, was talking about the things that he's been having to tweak. Uh, he's been talking about the idea of getting. Further up the park, he was talking about playing at the bottom of the midfield, but then taking the opportunity to move forward in the build-up because he doesn't he doesn't need to be the one that's starting the move. He can move further towards the goal, and he then st- he began to expand on the idea of where he receives the ball, and he started talking about angles and maybe not being directly in front of the centre back, but trying to go out, go out wide a little bit. What did you make of, uh, of this blog and his kind of insight into the, the tactics that he's trying to adopt in, in the game? And did you notice any of that in the, the Hearts game? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you, you can tell how much he, he thinks about these things and how much he, he wants to improve. And I don't think that's coincidental. And you see how quickly he has improved, how quickly he's taken every new level he's, he's stepped up to. And then I think these, these, these images... I know it's not from the centre back, but I think Image Trees is a good kind of illustration of it because he's getting that ball out wide from um, Rick Taylor. But as you say, he, he does very. I, I think he can receive the ball with a defender right in his back, and he's, he's good at shifting his weight and getting out of that. But he's. <laughs> I was watching the game earlier. It's, it's weird. He does this thing where he just kind of. His whole body, when he receives the ball, is always kind of moving. It's almost like he's he's jumping with two feet at the same time. He's just his body just jerks every way, and I think he's. And yeah, there must be something in the way he he sets up his first touch, he sets up his pass to be able to have that angle, so he's he's not hemmed in because he, he is so good at getting out of those size situations. So so yeah, that's you know. That's probably something I was trying to look out for specifically, but it's something I've criticized a lot of Celtic midfielders for before. Like they, they, when they drop deep, they come closer to the centre back, whatever. And all they really do is like they get a pass and then it passes straight back because it's got somebody in their back. And you kind of go, 
don't see much point in that. I think someone like Rio Tati is always thinking about how do I position my body to, to move out of that. But it's just a case that he's, he's so deep into the detail of it, which is just what you want to see from players. And I think it's a prerequisite for how much they can develop and how much, you know, how big a potential they can reach. And with Rio Tati, again, I thought it was. Oh, it's just just great again in, mm. in terms of just the control on the ball. Is, I think he's really good when he's kind of in, he's, when he's pressed as well, when he can jump in out of tight spaces. So, yeah. I'm still I, in mourning that that volley never went into the bottom corner. I hope it's hurt. Yeah. So one of the one of the things he goes on to say, mention in the articles about realizing at Celtic that the fullbacks were coming inside instead of going down the line. So if I opened up, there was space for me to receive the pass. So he's essentially talking there about almost switching lanes with the throwback. Rotations, Graham. The yeah. Rotations. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, so that's probably once it just came in as well. And you, you see, I mean, he, him and Taylor and then whoever's the winger on that side do this constantly as well. And they are very good at that. And he's, it allows him to get space more, pop out wide, and he can pop the same ball into Taylor as well. So he's... I presume they'll all be aware of the system, but he's obviously thought about it specifically for, for his uh, situation as well. And it, I mean, it's a wider discussion, but I do kind of like that. You know, you have football tactics in, in terms of the overall system, you know, how Ange wants you to play as well. Which we can, in, in a lot of ways, we can sit and analyze and see players moving this way. But I think when it comes down to an individual player level, how they feel, how they orientate themselves within that system, what it means for them, I think this is really fascinating because then you can I think that's when having played a game and having played a game at that level really, it's so beneficial, you know, in terms of understanding instinctively what you need to do when you're put in a certain situation. I think we touched upon this before, but I think overall, like if you want to be a high level football manager now, you know, in the Premier League, like or you know, the big leagues, you have to have such a tactical knowledge of the game. I think most players who's been playing the game for so long wouldn't really be, you know, they would have a lot of catching up to do if they haven't been immersed in the tactical side of the game properly. For many years already, because you you have coaches and managers now who's like been coaches and managers their whole life, and they've they thought about these things and other aspects of management. But I think where you you, you can really have really you know big use of ex players in terms of that is more situational individual basis. And I think like somewhere where Harry Kuehl is probably a really good asset to. To Celtic, because I don't think Harry Cool will ever step up and be, you know, the, the tactical brains of, of Celtic or manager or anything like that. I, I think players like him will find a real niche in like one-to-one coaching and mm-hmm. talk through situations like this. And because that is probably, if you never played football on that high level, it's it's difficult to, to coach it specifically. You can have the tactical overview and, uh, and on a team basis and player basis, but actually how it feels being plopped in a situation like in that system and the, the fullbacks comes in and so on. I think it really helps. It helps that players like Hatay to kind of realize this themselves and discuss it true and then they want to improve, but also having actual coaches to one-on-one coaches to to kind of 
shared our knowledge and, and, and cultured really because it's more instinctive rather than taught, I think, or learned. On that kind of idea about um, coaches at top level having to have such technical expertise now and the tactical expertise, I was um, listening to a podcast that was talking about the, the prem, Premiership or Premier, Premier Division uh, earlier and um, they were basically disregarding Brendan Rodgers. They were, they were, I think someone said that he was a he was a a, a great manager or something like that. And then that another person kind of corrected them, saying, mm, "Not not so sure about that." Do you think? Do you think modern football is passing him by to a certain extent? Do you think? I, I mean, obviously, Leicester have had their financial issues and they've not been able to spend so much money, but he's on the verge of relegation with Leicester, and. Uh, they might not go down because there's a few teams down there that are not doing so well either. But are you I, surprised at how he's fallen? I do think there's circumstances in Leicester that, that makes it more difficult. I think sometimes you just kind of Bad get this season. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, mean, I mean, Klopp's cycle is, is it's seven years and then he has a bad season. But I do think it is a case that for every manager, maybe more now than more so now than ever, is that you do have to keep developing mm. if you want to be able to to get a team up to the upper echelons of you know of the Premier League. Okay, a lot of money helps, but you, you go someone like okay, Jose Mourinho is one example. Rafa Benitez is probably another one where these were guys at the forefront of football tactics in say. Mid two thousands, you know, it was Jose Mourinho and Rafa Benitez. I think there's a couple others in there as well, but that's in terms of an English sense. That's who kind of set the pace and who was like the main tactical brains, and they're not anymore. You know, it's you know, the football can kind of not that they're complete dinosaurs, but football can kind of get away from you really quickly unless you keep updating. You know. Your aspects and then keep learning as it is. So I don't think Brendan Rodgers is quite there. Yeah, I think he's probably still, you know, if you went to another club, I think he'd still do pretty well. But you you always have to keep learning and, and keep trying to stay with you know what's working and, and how is the game developing. And we'll go back to the game in a second. Uh, but just coming off that idea and the agenda that Alan was, I think Keenan actually was saying that he, he thought. Callum McGregor, from the way he speaks about football, is going to be someone who could be a future manager because he seems to have a, a deep understanding of tactics. He was in um, the papers today with um, comments about CCV and essentially saying that he, CCV has got the hardest job in the team because he has to basically be the starting point of moves and also be the kind of defensive rocks in one-on-one situations at the back. I don't know if it was you or if it was Stephen Russell, but one of you, I'm going to... Interchangeable. Yeah, I blame you. uh, Said that they thought maybe Ange had a bit of a blind spot when it came to centre-backs. And Callum McGregor speaking about this obviously suggests that it is something spoken about at the club, that the players have to have this ability to be the starting point of moves. What do you think that suggests? Do you think it suggests that Celtic or Ange is aware that we need to be improving as it's improving this, the, the way that our players come out from the back and we just don't have the players for that and we're trying to make do? Or do you think it's maybe Carl McGregor's noticed this, but it's not something that's kind of fundamental to Ange Ball, so, so to speak? 
I think there's a lot of different aspects when it comes to the centre-backs. I think so, Callum McGregor says something there about you have to start their attacks. I, I think we can come back to that when we get back to, to um, our friend Kobayashi. But it's also he says something around you also have to defend a lot one-on-one because of the way Celtic set up. And I, I do think that's key because we're going to get into a little bit later, but one of the things we've talked a lot about in the Champions League and one of the aspects I think Celtic need to improve on if they're going to get anywhere in, in, in Champions League or race the, you know, the chances of getting in Champions League is out of possession, you know. First of all, how do they press when the other teams try to build out? How what's the rest defense looking at? So the rest defense is how how are you organizing your attack? So if they break down, you better cover defensively. Because for me, I spoke to Stephen about this, spoke to John McKenzie about this as well, in terms of Celtic do seem to be and Ange seems to be quite happy a lot for defenders having to defend one-on-one. So you end up maybe not as structurally defending, but it's a lot to do about individual battles. So not a man-marking system as such, but you you do end up in situations where the centre-backs have to have to be strong in the duel and they have to be have face one-on-ones and, and they they have to have that aspect. So I do wonder if there's something in that. And Han- Angie's kind of happy not to overthink the, the structural stuff defensively, but he needs strong individual centre-backs that are able to handle that because they might be put in certain situations. Um, so you do wonder if that's a case of where it's, you know, neither Starfield and CCB has that resistance, I would say, that, that quick technique um, on the ball. But they are really good dual players. And you kind of go, well, isn't that an oxymoron? Don't you need, in this system, do you not need, shouldn't a really high priority be ball playing technique? And I think I think you absolutely need to do that. But maybe it's something with this stuff, the way Ange sets up defensively or the way he kind of focuses more on defensively that you end up having to have centre-backs who are in lots of one-on-one situations. They have to run up a lot of stuff and, and things like this as well. So I wonder if it's maybe that's where it kind of comes in um, a lot. Um, because, yeah, it, it's a really tough role. And it's a tough role if you, if you don't structure your stuff like your rest defence and the out of session pressing block and stuff like that properly because you'll end up in a lot of those situations. So if you have two guys who are very aggressive in the duel, try to get on the front foot, are just strong guys, maybe that's where it comes from. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's, it's in a roundabout way, maybe that's the kind of type of centre-back. I can see the attraction uh, to answering that. Some one-on-one defenders are actually quite key in this system because of the way the system is set up. And you have to imagine that there is a premium on centre-backs that can do both of those tasks to a very high degree. Um, or you can get it for free under Japan. So that's no. I, so I think so. I mean, so it, it is a really difficult job, but I think um, you know, the premium is on the 
plays center back who can do both. And there is so many, especially the bigger teams, so much emphasis on having a, a center back that are press resistant. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, but we, we, we can maybe move. I mean, there's a couple of images. Seven and eight are just harsh being bad, really, in terms of the high pressing. <laughs> Love to see it. And the big spaces at image eight. I don't know what's going on in image eight in terms of how that, but harsh pressing, I think, coupled with, you know, Hatata being in there, the fullbacks being in there, you know, they, they struggle. The, the press and the organization wasn't as good on Wednesday. And if you give, if you make mistakes, especially like image eight, Celtic's just going to tear you apart. So let, let's move to out of possession, Graham. Let's, let's Can I just say it. Josh Ginelli before we move on? I like saying that. Okay. Um, Folke kept speaking near United in the quarterfinal. Oh, have they? Um, so the, the, the draw is imminent? The draw is imminent. So United missed a penalty in the 81st minute. At one oh, we've got them in the semi. Oh, that was quick. Folke in the semi. Uh, instant reaction. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, we got them in the semi, I think. Oh, what? Can, can, <laughs> this, what's happening? Has it, has oh, it been drawn all I'm going on is Joe saying got them in the semi. So Which one, Joe? Joe. Which one? Joe. Like Joe. This is uh, which one I put in capital letters. Um, yeah, Rangers in the semi. Dave Flanningham uh, has just... Confirmed. It's, it's okay. Uh, live reaction, Graham. Uh, your live reaction to. I prefer it. I prefer it. It does, as I, as I mentioned at the end of the reaction, it does mean that we're probably going to have them twice in a week, um, which I don't like. But I don't know. At, at least the way I see it is that if we could beat, then at least someone else has the opportunity to stop the one in the cup. Whereas if we get beat in the final, they've won the cup. Well, in Vanessa Falkirk, I'm going to stop them. Super Cali, Gold Ballistic, Rangers and Atrocious. I mean, how, how bad do you feel uh, if you're that A player that missed a penalty? And then you've got yeah, in Vanessa Cali in the semi-final. Are you still, are you still going to their games? Um, yeah, when I had a chance, I haven't had a chance lately. I guess Friday night's good. Swing up to the pub, but uh, there you go. So what, what, what do you think? What's your take on the semi? Uh, I, I guess with you were going to meet them anyway, right? I, I, I think that's the case, and I think having I don't know. I mean, Celtic I'm very confident they'll win the league, so I guess it's that kind of risk reward. If you win the league, and you don't have to beat Rangers in the cup final for a treble, yeah. That you know, it's just a, a lot higher reward, I guess, and a lot higher risk in, in terms of that. You know, it, it, it'd still be a phenomenal season if you if you yeah. lost that final, but to lose a treble in the last game to Rangers would be. But then, say if if you beat them here, I mean, that. And then, let's be honest, Imanis Cali Tissel in the final, and I think Ronnie Dyla should be brought back. Um, Imagine to probably play left wing. Just, <laughs> Or take some legs, really. Come so, back just so you can strip at full time. Yes, so uh, we should should have done. But, but just a wee tangent uh, on on Rangers. Uh, Stephen shared a fact, uh, a post World Cup fact, and I want to get your take on it. His post World Cup fact was that Rangers technically have a better X points total than Celtic since the World Cup. 
um, a rundown of what expected points is, is the chance of them winning a game based on factors including XG uh, and how many points that that would uh, get them from each game. Uh, does this worry you? That, uh, that they're, I mean, it's a very slight overperformance compared to us. Yeah. Um, or is it just a case of it's going to be tight while we have Ange and they have Michael Beale? I, I don't know if, if it's that. I mean, it, it's, I think to underline them, I, I think they are probably, I mean, decent value for them. I, I think that you know, some of those games, you know, at the start, I think you know, they're quite lucky to get some points. But I mean, they, they are, their underlying performances are, have been good since Bale came in. Um, I don't think they're drastically better than they were under for Brockhurst. And I think there's other challenges there in terms of them. How do they do that squad turnout that, that's coming? Um, Bale has, you know, is is in both those starbies so far. I think he's, he's done a pretty good job in, in setting them up. And I think still his his preferred style, I think overall is not as conductive to dominating a league over over a full season. But yeah, no, I mean this. You can't just pretend they're they're rubbish because you know they. You know, I think every single underlying stat says they've been they've been pretty good value for for the points they've been getting. Um, I think we talked about this before that Celtics were overperforming the X points this season, and is a lot to do. I think, as you said, turning those kind of tighter games in, into wins. It's a lot to do with the system and the relentlessness of the of the system, um, and the fact that. They're so dominating that defensively, it's it's teams hardly can lay a, glo- a glove on them. Um, except for the two last games in the league, the opponent scored first. But no, I'm not specifically worried. But I, I don't think it's it's not going to be a if it feels there next season, and okay, depending on the transfer window, it's still be a tough season, I think. So that, we'll come back to the Hearts game in a second, but. That takes me on to thinking about the, the and this was a, an article in the papers this morning about the asking if this is the biggest gap between Celtic Rangers and the rest of the league, uh, and they did a breakdown season to season of how many points has been the, the gap between the clubs and the rest, and I think from the, like two thousand to now, there's there's been like a bigger gap five five or six times. And obviously, that would be at the end of the season. So we might get to a stage where it's even bigger. And I assume we will get to a stage where it's at least 30 points, which would be in the top three gaps of all time uh, or since 2000. It feels to me that it could get to a stage where Celtic and Rangers only drop points against each other. That's what the Scottish football feels like now. I don't... Them going to Easter Road, I just didn't feel any worry. I didn't feel any hope that anything good was going to happen from it. Is it? What do you think? It, it seems to me as if the other teams are just at an absolute low when it comes to the ability to do anything against us. Yeah, it's it's a bit odd as well because the gap shouldn't really be any bigger than it always be. And I guess in one sense, yeah, they just have got some more money now, Champions League money. But I don't really see why there's any like okay the financials team has always been brought up but that's always been there. 
I guess you'd maybe can look at the best teams outside of Celtic and Rangers and who have they been coached, really? I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. Like Hips has a terrible manager. Tony Nielsen is, is great. I think been a good win in charge of Aberdeen. It's just, yeah. A, you know, Stephen Glasgow will need more time. Who knows if it was going to come true, but and changing him again. And then, and because below those three, you wouldn't really expect, you know, anybody to really rise up. But I think the, you know, Submarin with Robinson is, is a steady coach um, and so on. But then you, can, you see there's some clubs who try to do something transfer wise, but there is a lot of the old stuff in terms of harshness. In terms of where the players come from, I think we're talking about on, on this and the reaction as well. In terms of you know, trying to find like an alternative method, but sticking to it and bringing the whole club in line after that. So it could be just one of those seasons, but it could also be that you know the three you know bigger clubs after Celtic and Rangers just not run that well, or essentially not you know coached that well. Is it because there was something with the theory that I'm just thought about right this second? Uh, we are so we're obviously losing young Scottish talent quicker to the the Premiership and even Bayern and stuff. But the other clubs are doing the same. So Aberdeen are losing players earlier, or St. Martin are losing players earlier, etc. Could it be a case of instead of these players coming through and benefiting these teams? The clubs are getting money for them and then not spending the money well. Because they're not well run. Yeah, but that, that could be, as I said, they shouldn't have any less money or okay, COVID and everything, but uh, all of those three clubs are not being run to the most to the full potential. Like, so where, where it could be, be. And and all of them were supposedly had this, you know slightly new ideas with the owners, new owners having come in and so on. But none of them managed to actually find a, uh, a way of running the club and structuring the club that has so far had any sort of great results and see that they're going to close the gap. So yeah, no, it's, I think you start with the coaching and see who's in charge, been in charge of those clubs because it's been pretty poor. But then Behind that, there must be like a structural thing, and that that can take years. And there's kind of signs that some of them are trying to do a little bit differently. Like Aberdeen's recruitment seems to be pretty good uh, overall. Like the, the players they have brought in have been the best players because of Miofsky and, and Duke. But yeah, it's not great to say. Not great. But what was great was Celtic's disruption of Hearts in the quarterfinal. We left you. At me saying Josh Janelli, and you wanted to talk or move into the second section about Celtic off the ball. Yeah, because we actually get to see Celtic off the ball. That's the one thing with Hearts, at least. Um, I don't think this is in the images, but if you look at Sadiq Clark's passes, for example, he had seven passes within his outside his own third, kicking the ball out you know, outside his own third. And he's got 23 passes within his own first, so which is often when the opposition goalkeepers is the other way around. So that's almost more like Joe Hart numbers in terms of how often you go long and how often you go short. So over these two games, you have had a you've had a chance to have a really good look at Celtic 
out position. I mentioned earlier, out position structure was one of my big bugbears in the, in the Champions League. And I do wonder, like the, I guess the theory we're kind of trying to see if holds up is how good is Ange out of possession? How good he is at structure his team uh, for that? Because you do have managers who's, who wants to focus more offensively and try to keep it more simple defensively. And I think Ange is I, one obvious example, probably because I speak to John a lot, is Marcelo Bielsa, you know, who's essentially just go man against man. It's a, you know, this one, um, pretty much this one spare center back, and that's it. The rest of the system is pretty much based on a, a one-to-one marking. Um, there my I don't think this system is that because I think someone like John Kennedy would have an input as well but what we saw in the Champions League what we've seen so far in terms of how this Celtic set up out of a session it's I think there's a lot of things you you can pick at but one you don't get to see much in the league because it's not needed two as I say you you don't get to practice much in in games as well and three I think Ashes has a I would guess he would have a more simpler approach to this saying like it's it's a lot to do about the pressing, you know, aggressive pressing to win the ball back. And in the kind of moments after you lose the ball. And I think that's, you know, it's that is very effective. Is that, you know, we don't stop, we chase the ball. And especially domestically, you know, it works really well. It, it overwhelms team. But I do think if you get teams that, that try to play out, and you actually, you know, you can't run around like a headless chicken um, or just even a uh, chicken with heads, you know. Mm. don't know that, how that works. But um, it can be a bit more difficult. And I think, so the interesting, uh, you know, because there was a change here from Wednesday to Saturday, and I, and I thought that was really interesting in terms of Celtic looking at something that maybe doesn't work. And one game, I said, okay, how, how can I fix that? Because what we talked about on Wednesday was there was a lot of gaps centrally when Hearts tried to play out. They they were quite successful in getting space sometimes between the two strikers um, that well, the Celtics front line and the midfielders, and also kind of pulling the midfield, Celtics midfield up, and then finding players behind it on the side of it. So that didn't really work that well against Hearts. But I think Image 9, actually it's Image 9, Image 10, Image 11, and Image 12 are kind of different variations on the same thing because Celtic did a very clear change here. Right? So, so usually Celtic, when the team plays out from the back against Celtic, Celtic would line up in like a 2-4-4. So, you know, talking about the front line first, so they have the push, one of the Central midfielder up beside the striker. So often it's like Matt O'Reilly, sometimes it's Hatate. And then you have the two central midfielders behind them. And then you kind of have this, you know, the winger swipe. So it's a two, four, four. But we saw in the Champions League a lot was that that midfield two was exposed. And often one of the strikers weren't quick enough to cover the deep pivot. So like the lowest midfielder. In the opposition, and they would get on the ball behind the strikers in front of midfield. There'd be a lot of space there. So these images you can see very clearly. There was a change here 
that instead of having two strikers pressing in the front, Kyogo was left a lot to press on the first line. And then Ryo Hatate, who's usually be maybe pressing beside Kyogo, he was now almost exclusively on the deep pivot, Harstead pivot, Kyogo. So, and then he also had, since Harsh were playing out with a tree at the back, the wingers would often jump on the wide centre-backs because they almost worked as full-backs in this game. So image nine is that. Image 10 is just, it's actually Kyogo, so it's had to drop down on the pivot. But the system is the same. You know, Hatat mm-hmm. is in front. You have a line of three at the back. Then you have a line of two at the back um, and the full-back jumping up. Image 11, a, I think you can see this. That's two images within that. Kyogo is high up. There's a line of three behind Kyogo. And the ball goes up. You can see the next phase. You can see how narrow Callum McGregor and uh, Aaron Moy is together. And then the fullbacks kind of just behind them again. So, that. so image trail again. It's almost three, three lines. It's almost a bit boxy. I know you love your boxes. But I think, why is Celtic doing it? Why have they made a change here? Because I, I think it is, it is a deliberate, clear change from what we've seen before. And I think I think it makes sense, right? To have one more player centrally with Tatate a bit deeper. So he sits between the striker and the midfield. Um, because with that aggressive press Celtic have with two strikers on the seat, centre-back, often this, the opponent can kind of play around and then play back into that deep midfielder. And then, you know, if it was if it was Kyogo, if it was Gigi, if it was players like Hexabanner, so Riley wasn't able to maybe in time cover that pivot. And I think it just by having Hatate further back and centrally, you know, you relieve the pressure on Callum McGregor and I think especially Aramoy from covering too much ground. I don't have to have the whole Aramoy discussion again, but the one thing is he's, he's not going to cover a lot of ground defensively. You know, so he, you know, he'd be able to move and press all over the pitch. He's not, it's just not that player. That's, you know, that's absolutely fine. But so by bringing Hatati a bit further down, obviously you give McGregor and Moy less space to cover and you already kind of nullify that that pivot um, for the opposition. So I, I think that made sense to do that. You know, and, and if I think it's a probably an option to do that more, to have Kyogo more in the front line covering that, because, I mean, he can cover. If you're facing a back four, he can cover both centre-backs anyway. Maybe bring someone like Hatati further a bit further back. Or if, I think if, if it's a Hatati O'Reilly or McGregor, you probably have O'Reilly on the pivot. But yeah, having a 1 3 2 instead of a 2 4, I think instinctively makes a bit more sense for me. Because I also think, Graham, what this two schools of also what Celtic tried to do in Europe, it was like they had those two strikers or forwards to the forward line like pressing really aggressively and I think the wingers would press and they would but then the midfield two maybe not press as much the back line would might be coming and I think if you just have Kyogo in the front you can still press aggressively and he can cover a lot of ground but I think he just it kind of takes away that risk if essentially it's better having one guy press really high aggressively and one straight behind him than two on the line so I think better teams would just play true. So instinctively, I think this made sense. Do you think this was only because we were playing a free at the back? 
Because, I mean, if it was a four, do you think he would leave it for Kyogo to cover the two centre-backs? I think it would be interesting to see. I think that's the question. Because obviously, with this, if Hatat a bit further back and two central midfielders a bit more narrow, you push your full-backs up to kind of cover behind the wingers. Um, I think then, because then you can put your wingers on the, on the centre-backs, the wide centre-backs and Kyogo on centre-backs. We have three against three. And then you have Hatati on the pivot, and then it's in theory Moy and McGregor on Hart's midfield tree as well. So again, I think you line up quite well man to man versus a back tree. I guess if you transplant that to, to a back four, I think you can still. I think you could do. I think you're then having. He would have to cover two centre backs and the wingers and might have to cover the full backs a little more because if you're playing against a 4 3 3, for example, and your full backs might have to cover the opposition's wingers a bit. But, but I think centrally, you, you're probably more often not going to face a three man midfield, right, in mm-hmm. some sort of form. So I think if you're not 100%, if you're a team that will not be able to be drilled, in these situations every game because I think front two and the back four four behind them can be very effective but I think you have to be very good at it and I think you have to you have players that will jump on the centre back but then they'll have to jump on the pivot and if the pivot is free then when the centre midfielders have to jump and somebody have to cover them again so I think if you are a team that essentially won't have the chance to practice this a lot in games. Having a man against man in, in midfield, the midfield tree, lining up man versus player versus player, I, f- I think makes a lot of sense because it does simplify it a bit. And I think you can still, I think, you know, Kyoga against two centre-backs is fine. I, I don't know if you need two centre-backs, um, uh, two strikers going two centre-backs. For me, I'd rather Celtic started pressing a bit further down than being too high and aggressive in, in Champions League. Some people would think, no, just double down and just go all out and press even more and move the back line up. And I think there's a case for that as well. But for me, I kind of wanted to hold back five, 10 yards. And then, and I think that works better with just Kyogo there and then somebody just behind on, on the pivot. So, yeah. Do, do you, do you think that Celtic practice this? With like obviously they could make two elevens uh, at Lennox Town and essentially say to one in the eleven we want you to be playing out in the eleven we want you to be uh, doing the press. Do you think that's ever something that they consider doing? Because uh, as you said, we get we get practice at this so really even against Rangers we've been seeing how long they go constantly. So yeah, that's the thing. The encouraging part is that it was an issue. In the last game, and I think they made changes specifically to kind of nullify the issues that there were. It could be game specific, team specific, heart and the back three. But I, I would be really interesting to see how, I guess, in the semi final, uh, if it ranges stop going uh, long, if if they, for example, play Raskin, because I think he'll play next time. Who's, I mean, I, I'm a better ball playing pivot than Lundstrom. But he's probably someone who you can build up, play a bit more within. So I do wonder if you then go actually 
we're just going to put someone like Hatati on him in the build-up and let Kyogo run between Goldson and, and, and Davis. And if they want to hit the long, they're going to hit the long anyway. So, yeah, I, I think that's the test for it. Because at least you can tell Celtic has been aware of this, that they worked on it and they, they tried to change something for this game to, to nullify it. Okay, let's go on. Which What image are we at now? <laughs> 13? So, so 14? It, I think we can jump to 13. I think 13 or 14 is this. So Celtic made changes, right? I still think there's a lot of issues of Celtic's you know, out of position in the press. And again, it can come to just, as I say, practice and, and drilling. Image 13 is, I think, is a pretty good example because it's the exact same situation. So, what often happens is like in these situations, Jota would very often be quite high up with Kyogo in terms of almost being that second striker we've had before. But the difference is now you, you bring a winger in rather than putting a central midfielder up. And in minutes 13, you can see when the ball goes from Sander Clark out to his left fullback, which is Rouse, um, he looks behind him. He looks at his, you know, the the wing back, the left wing back on Hearts. Um Kingsley. Um I say Kingsley, that's okay, I remember. Doesn't matter. Our hearts wing back. Um and Alistair Johnson jumps up on it. You can see that in image 13. Alston Johnson's right up, he's jumping up, and the space that the wing back has is it's not big, you know. He's going to be pressured straight away. And you can see in image 13 Hatati sitting on the pivot, you know. So, so it makes sense, right? But then you go, so that is in the 29th minute. And then you go eight minutes later, exact same situation. Jota is pressing high with Kyogo. Jota doesn't look behind him there. It's the exact same ball out to the the hearts left wing back. Alistair Johnson does not jump up. And I kind of go, look, and you can see how Tati, again, he sits on the pivot. So every, every single thing in these two situations, eight minutes apart. And this is, you know, you can line up, you literally line up for this because it's a goal kick. In one situation, Alistair Johnson jump up on the left centre-back pressures him. Second situation, look at the space he has. Would like you that, put that down to just a lack of practice? <laughs> I, I think that there should be a, a drill. It's fine to, it's almost fine to do both, but then you can't just do one, I think. So, Alison Johnson probably felt for some reason he can't, he can't jump up on one situation, not another, but everything else should be the same. Like, it's essentially, if Alison Johnson is in a position to not jump up on the left wing back, Jota can't go. But I think if Jota goes, your next player has to go. So Alistair Johnson has to go. So it's really difficult to see this without the the full, you know, sight of the pitch and you can see all the players in it. But it shouldn't be like this, right? You you can't build up and then give one ball out and then your left wing back is well, up at the position it's got you know half a half a half to move on. So there's there's things like that. I do wonder how I'd love to know this how they set up because image fifteen and sixteen and seventeen is you had this it's kind of similar right when hearts go wide and this time they go wide on their right or set its left so you had right you have Hatati on a deep pivot you have the two wingers on the wide center backs 
then when the wing back so sorry when one of the hard central midfielders went wide to try to pick up the pass from their wide center back and one of the central midfielders went wide Callum McGregor went wide and Greg Taylor kind of stayed back to to look after his wing back on that side so image 15 is this image 16 as well the ball goes out wide because is the central midfielder or for Harch on the right hand side Grant is Callum McGregor following him but image 17 it's the same situation the ball's in the same spot but it's the wing back that falls down it's Greg Taylor that falls him so that's the only thing that kind of tells me I don't think it's the right or wrong there but it tells me that it is quite player based Graham mm. it's not so much about looking after your space it's more about where's your player obviously it's something to do with your space you're not going to just go mad but here's a player is receiving the ball in the same situation in three situations twice is the central midfielder that receives it twice is Callum McGregor that goes after it the last time is the wing back a hunch that receives it Greg Taylor goes after it and what can happen then as well you can see in that situation Callum McGregor isn't maybe close enough on his central midfielder wing back pops it to the central midfielder pops it back Taylor it's actually quite a it's a decent builder from Hodge as well but Again, I think that's when you go player against player. If you have a quick combinations like this, you can, you know, you can be play through and, and hard to play through Celtic here as well. So there's things like that that's kind of go that's fine against Hearts, and it's probably a case of you just don't get to drill this much. Maybe that's why they go a bit more man against man, but it's you know it's. It's not great. And it's not like it's not great. It's, it needs improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before we get into like the last couple of things from the harsh game I had is image 18 is my Moy overlap. Um, so, the Moy overlap minute. To, to, uh, so image 18 is, is a still from the first, it's three pictures of one. The first one is of the game against Harsh when Jota has the ball on the right hand side and Aaron Moy goes on an overlap behind them. And the the rest of image 18 is, is this exact same situation against St. Mirren that we talked about. So because Riyad Tati is moving out on the right hand side in front of Jota, but then Aramoy wants to do these overlaps. <laughs> it's like he's Cafu or something, like I said sometimes. I don't know why. Right. And, but forget about the attacking sense of that. I think overall, and this is maybe something we can bring up on like beyond the scoreboard, uh, when I think I kind of want to bring up okay, how does Celtic improve? The way that Celtic, we talked a lot about uh, like Real Tati, he wants to wander wide, right? But Greg Taylor comes in, you have these rotations out wide. A lot of Celtic's play is actually focused around those three players on each side and they're changing positions. So a player like Aramoy will come wide, you know, Matt O'Reilly will go wide, Rio Hatati will go wide. Sometimes Rio Hatati goes from left to right and joins, you know, that side. So but it's so the focus is uh, Graham is a lot on down those sides, movement on the sides and so on. Which is effective, which we see, but if you have a big focus on those wide rotations as we go, if your play breaks down, you rest defensive usually bit of a mess. Because in these situations, because Aramoy wants to do the overlap, 
even forget if that's the best thing to do attacking wise. I don't think it is. But even if you're, if Jota loses the ball, which he did against Samir and he doesn't here, you leave your center of the pitch completely open. So you're not really thinking about how should I position myself in this attack that if the attack breaks down, I'm covered defensively. And that is the case. That is essentially rest defense. And that's what teams like Arsenal do really well. Like these kind of positional coaches, if you want, like Gaudiola, Ateta, they want to structure their attack in a way that, yes, it's very effective and it creates chances. But also if it breaks down, it's covered. They got every single line covered. Everything is there. I think that's, I mean, there's no consideration for this here overall, like in terms of, but I think it's a case of Celtic is so focused on going wide and have these rotations wide in the middle can be then neglected by this number. So in the case then is then obviously you have your center backs. You, sometimes you've got your full backs that are so inverted that they can jump into the middle and cover for that. Your center backs is always as I have to be strong one against one because it might then have to jump up and win that second ball in the central defense and be hugely aggressive. But it's not a, that's why I kind of say, I don't think it's a big thing for Ange out of possession stuff and rest defense. I don't, I think he'd rather focus on attacking wise. And as I said, they come back to something so dominant domestically, they hardly get to train on this. So what you're saying is uh, we're going to win the league at a canter again next season, but get pumped in the Champions League. Uh, is that what happened this season? No, not really get pumped, but it's, I think... So this is the interesting thing. I mean, you're talking about managers constantly having to evolve. Is that the limitation of Ange? If he isn't, isn't able to do that? Well, I think Ange would say that his way... You know, this, this is not the only way. I, you know, by doing all these overloads, why? By having that attacking intent... Like that's the risk reward of it, and and it's not like they don't defend, <laughs> not defend, but it's you know uh, it's a lot more of the attacking, and then it's more about the counter pressing to do it. So I think it's priorities really, and and what he wants to to focus on, and, and so on, and it's but yeah, I, I, I just think out possession is not as neglected. But it's simplified, and I think it's a lot similar to someone like Bielsa than, say, someone like like Pep. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you, you talked a lot about similarities between Guardiola and, and Postacoglu. Don't know why I used the last names there, but um, and I think there are a lot in terms of how they structure their attacks. You know, the inverted fullbacks moving in different lines, changing rotations, and so on. But I think a coach like him and Arteta would have a huge focus on how they set up the rest defense, as we call it, whereas Ange, maybe because they're so, they don't have that threat domestically, and maybe if he had, he, he would work on them more, but you will get it in the Champions League. And you can say, you double down, you just press like mad, you press even more mad, and you just, you know, push your team up, and you just suffocate the other team, and they can't even get out, so you don't have to worry about structurally the rest defense, but it did happen in the Champions League this season, and they'll highly likely face team that they can do it to to again next season. So it it has to, you know, it has to be better. You know, out of possession has to be better uh, in the Champions League next season. I mean, you're saying it's a risk reward. What does 
So what is the re- reward from for for only concentrating on the, the attacking it's side of it? Scoring shitloads of goals, Graham. But Pepe scores shitloads of goals and so does Arteta. And he's got... Like, yeah, I guess very good players as well. But yeah, no. It's personal preference, isn't it? I, I think maybe he would... You know, The thought behind it is that they need to be even more aggressive. Like the uh, possession stuff, uh, attacking stuff like that, and it's it's that that idea of if you push your centre backs higher up, you cover that s- side of it. If you if you have your, for example, in this you know, in this instance where Celtic is attacking down the right, see if Aaron Moy goes on an overlap free attack that goes out that way. Okay, you got Cal McGregor in the middle, but Greg Taylor then he can stand in the middle of the pitch and he can become that. that I guess that's. And that would be a sense of rest defense. I think you can do this. I don't think you have to say to Aaron Moore, you can never overlap. I would say that to him. But, you know, do those rotations out wide, do them. But see your opposite fullback, you know, he, he has to be a, become a inverted fullback when Celtics attacking on their side as well. And I think in, in a large degree that that's what they try to do. And is there a team? Have your center by covering wide right here. Is there a team that you can think of in world football that is similar? And that they mostly focus on the attack side and don't care about the rest defence as much? To be honest, I probably don't watch enough football outside of Celtic. I've, I've watched too much Celtic, right? But I, I think the obvious, obvious com- comparison as we come back to is Marius Marcelo Bielsa because he was always famous of so many ideas and rotations and how to do things attacking-wise. Defensively, he goes, ah, just, let's, let's just press like mad and go one against one. And it's not more than It's not quite like that, but I think it's it's. I think a coaches who just go, look, if I'm going to try and have such a complex or clear ideas offensively, if I can't do it defensively as well because it's just a limit to how much your, your players can, can absorb and 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 kind of execute at the same time. So. Let me tell you about Rafa's blanket. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything else to, to touch on before we move on? No, I mean. Image 19 and 20 people can have a look at. It's just another kind of niggling issue for me in terms of the space between the centre-back and the full-back in some situation, which I think Hearts exploited in Image 19 and Image 20 they didn't. But um, I don't think the gap should be that big between CCB and Johnson. And if it is, Aramoy needs to sit in between them and not jump out on the in Image 19. So I think there's all these. I, I think we've talked about this before. Like these are small niggling things that is not ex- exploited by Hearts, and the way Celtic play has led them to a season where they might break the point record and the goal scored record. And I think it is down to the system in, in a lot of way. But I think if you, if you want to try and look at it, what does Celtic need to do, get better in the Champions League? It's not just score. Just it's not just take your chances, right? Um. If Gilgo scores on all his shots, yeah, they'll probably do a lot better, but it's, it's highly unlikely. So there's things like, I think it's specifically out of possession, stuff like this. Okay, let's get to the bit that everyone's been waiting yes. for. UK time. It's... Tell us why Kobayashi is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, he, he. I don't think you could have engineered a player to be more of a catnip to me, um, <laughs> to be honest, but... And it's... So uh, I'll probably have a blind spot uh, <laughs> Everything is done. No, I, I just think overall, it's it's the simplicity almost in what he does. Because 
let's walk through it. I think not to pick on him, but I, I groaned out loud on Image 21 because Image 21 is an example of car style felt. He's getting a ball from CCV and it's a switch from the right hand side to the left. And at the point he gets the ball, hearts, they're in trouble because they have one central midfielder covering Aaron Moy and Greg Taylor in huge amount of space. You know, there's the center back hill. He's trying to run up into it, but essentially this, you don't get this much space in that kind of phase with two year players in that much space. So Carstel felt what he needs to do is get the ball to one of them quickly, either Greg Taylor or Aaron Moy. It doesn't really matter if it hits the Aaron Moy, for example, he can have a bounce ball to Greg Taylor. It's a good chance. Carl Starfield tried to do a first-time pass to Greg Taylor. I applaud his attention, but his execution is horrible. Like So he hits the ball. Greg Taylor essentially has to run back five, six yards because Carl Starfield just didn't have the technique to you can be confident that he'll make that one-time pass. So he kind of slices a little bit, it goes behind, and that opportunity is gone. And I think that's what we're talk- talking about in terms of ball-playing centre-backs. It's not often that all fancy, great runs, great line-spreading passes. It's just doing stuff like that, one-touch, confident passing, quick passing. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, which it doesn't, but then we get to our man, Yoki. Yoki? Yuki. Yuki. I, I just, I see, I see I, I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing things. I know I forget, as you know, with my name. Yuki, I just want to say goodbye, actually. Yuki. Yuki. Um, Koopa. So, Yuki. The context is this is always that Celtic is 2-0 up, right? And and the heart's press isn't at some point as it has been. And I think, so, yeah, there's always that caveat that you have to see him in different situations. But I think Image 22 it's a high this is the one I spoke about in the reaction, the one that pulls oh. out there. Beautiful. Oh, that's so, so yeah, it comes a long ball from the high school. And it's it's essentially just one touch. He takes it down onto his thigh, and then when it falls down to the ground, pass. And it's straight down to Haxabanovich. And it's like, okay, he's right in front of him, but he's got players around him. But he's like, oh, yeah. And it comes down from the sky. Um, one touch. And it's all one movement, really. Image 23 is... is it's just a pass. I don't think it's a pass from his position, position left hand side into Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy is, is kind of covered a little bit. He's kind of behind the player, but you like, we actually just he'll make these passes, and you don't really. I think Starfield and CCB will go. Ah, okay, I don't it's think he'll make confidence. that pass. It's a confidence, but but so but so much of Kobayashi is just about the speed he sets up his passes. One touch. I think Image Twenty Four is just. Perfect example of this because again, it's just that standard ball from CCV. It comes over to his side. You have, I think it's Byron Mackay, God help him, comes running against Kobayashi. But it's all kind of, he stops the ball, but his touch kind of moves the ball over to his left hand, left foot. But it's all in one motion that he's also part of that motion is just making the same pass. So it's all like one motion and then a ball straight. Straight up towards Hatate, who sits back to midfield trees. So it's just, I think players like CCV and Starfield, they'd rather just take one touch, take two touch, and kind of see what's happening. And then 
chance it's got. It's just it's all one movement. It's just so very fluent, and it, it's kind of those. And there's other things like image twenty five as well. Like so, this is a cross field, cross cross field, cross field ball from from Aaron Moy over to his side. Again, his first touch on his thigh, and he he takes the ball in the direction he wants to go. So he takes the ball down on his thigh. He goes towards the left. In those situations, I'm almost 100% sure that Carl Starfield passes out to Jota, as you can mm. see in image 25 as well. I mean, to be fair, because he's right-footed <laughs> as well, and I don't want to get into Steven's role, it's Russell's theory about playing your right-footed uh, back to the left and so on. Um, but because he's left-footed, because he's, he's not just going to play out to Jota because that's a simple pass, it looks up, um, he can use his left foot to bend the ball into Riyatati between the lines in the center of the pitch. And it's if you look at that, it, it looks so easy. But I don't think any of maybe CCV makes that pass because he's a bit more right footed as well. But I think most of them just they see Jota in quite a bit of space out wide, the center out wide. But I think these these two might be some of my favorites is image 26. As I think Kobayashi is so confident that he'll hit the pass when it's on. Because it's not like he does everything. He'll look up, see what's on. Sometimes he goes back to Joe Hart. A couple of times he hoops it along if he thinks he has to. But if he can see a pass that's on, I think the speed in which he makes the decision and the speed in which he can actually execute it correctly is so good. But image 26 is two situations, right? And there's both of them is a long ball coming towards him. Like, you know, one is across from the halfway line, one is like, I think, from Sander Clark. And the first one is, so he has to kind of take the ball down. But instead of just taking it down in what can be a pressure situation, he just sidewalls it to Cal McGregor. Like, it's just, there you go. I'm not going to take a touch to take it down or get a man in, but say this long ball that comes down from the sky, it's going to sidewall it, first touch to you. And I think it's, it's pretty close to Cal McGregor. Okay, can be a bit close. I think actually, and Hearts ends up winning this ball because I don't think Cal McGregor expects his centre back <laughs> to attempt that. But then forty seconds later, he gets a more difficult ball because it's all the way from Sunday Clark. And the last time he did this forty seconds ago, his side ball to Cal McGregor ended up going to a Hearts player, which I think I said that's probably just as much to do with Cal McGregor than him. But this time, he's got player running towards him. This is image 26 again. But he does the same thing. He side rolls it first touch to CCV that's beside him. One touch from the sky. There's no way CCV or Starf will do that. It's, I have to do. I don't think they execute it as well. And I, I, to us, I don't really want those two to try that because I don't <laughs> think he, that's not them, but it, it just does it. And then image 27, I don't know if you remember this, but when we... Isn't it amazing? We talked about him like on the scouting report and stuff. We hadn't seen much dribble from him, dribbling out from the back. But image 27, he's just he does that. He likes to set the back. Um and oh no, the strike when the strikers comes running against him, just pops him beside him and runs past him like it's not there. And then he gets another player towards him and he just kind of pops to the side of him and, and then plays it on. So he can do that stepping out um thing as well. So I think again he's 2 0 up. Uh Arch is a little bit disarray, but it's he's so encouraging on the ball every time you see him. Graham, I think it's a lot to do 
okay, it's, it's a nice step out there in terms of, you know, beating a couple of players, but he's just so calm and confident and he's, he's got really good technique and he, he kind of knows when to do the pass and not, and when just to, okay, I'll just go back to Joe Hart and we'll, we'll try again here. So okay, all about his duels though as well. I mean, is it going to be the same level when it comes to the one-on-ones? Well, I think it's, the signs there are really encouraged. I, I mean, he's a, he's a big lad and I think he's fast I think he's, he's happy to step in. Uh, the only ton of defensive work of Pater is like image 28 when there's like a long ball down the side and Celtic's left-hand side. And it's really wide. So I think it's Janela at this point still. Runs out, you know, he's, he's in front of Kobayashi, but it's really wide. CCB is coming like to cover him as well. So I thought the interesting thing here is that Kobayashi kind of, he reads the situation. And he goes, okay, my, my centre-back partner on the left, uh, or his left because he's running back, is coming over. And he, he pretty early decides, actually, I'm going to let my other centre-back run this up, and I'm going to go into the middle and cover the middle. That's all oh, that's clever because you know, the cross comes in. Okay, there's no other hard players around. But he could actually positions himself exactly where that cross comes in. So instead of just panicking and running right after the, the striker he sees his center back partner coming in it's, you know, it's it's just i think it's just really clever in terms of you're in that situation it easy to get a bit panicky at that point you just make the right decision i don't jewels and stuff like that i think he's you know he's pretty aggressive in the air as we said i think he had like an incredible win rate in the air and uh, in, in the japanese league and I think CCV and stuff, like, yeah, they're, they're very good in the duel. It's, it's difficult to be better than them or as good as them. But in the air, he'll, he'll make defensive errors as well. But as I said before, Starfield and CCV are not faultless defensively. You know, I think especially Starfield, you know, has certain situations in him. So I don't think, I just, just think it's very promising. Um, like, I don't necessarily have to advocate for changing that partnership just now. But I'd be I'd be really I'd be confident if if he had to come in. I'd be kind of excited what he brings on the ball because it's not that stuff in CCPR. Like they can have they do have nice person that they do try to engage with this system. But see when they actually get a centre back in there that's got good technique. I, you do notice a difference. I think you just get used to CCB and Starfield and have their own the ball. So when you actually get one who's like, yeah, this is easy, I think you see the difference straight away. What do you think, Graham? I think I think the number one thing is going to be benefiting us is that CCB and Starfield have been here two years. There's talk of agent talk of them uh, having suitors. I don't think it's inconceivable to believe that we'll lose one of them. Uh, in in the summer, and it's good. Again, it's this planning. It's the planning that we've been calling out for for f- fucking years, yeah. Christian. We've got the replacement already at the club. And, and as we talked about last time, you talked about it and the system as well. Like you saw, oh, his ancient blindside, his centre backs. I mean, to be fair, like this is his first like major purchase from scratch. Like, cause, you know, if you don't count signing CCV permanently. And the Cayensos alone, the centre back we wanted him to sign 
is the one he signed, like that type. Okay, he might not turn out to be the next, you know, Christopher here, but I mean, it, it's definitely both that type. And so you go, oh, does he not like the ball playing centre backs? Why is he playing Carvel, uh, you know, CCB and Starfield? That's not their strength, the dual players. And then he, he, he goes up and by the centre back, I guess, at least it's two of us and Karen Durbin, and <laughs> <laughs> hope to would. So Maybe he does love us. Graham. He does. He definitely does. Right, well, we've got our five-minute warning, so I just want to go to some quick hits from the rest of world football. Um, we we touched on the situation last week with Hakimi. Um, world football has followed up him being in the PSG squad for the Bayern game by Morocco calling him up for the internationals, despite this uh, sure. rape investigation happening in France. I don't think there's much else we need to say for that, mm-hmm. other than it is disgusting. Um, something that is a lot better though is that um, Cristiano Ronaldo has stormed off the pitch Brilliant. after his second um, firing a blank for his uh, team in Saudi Arabia he stormed off after a 1-0 defeat kicking water bottles out of the way as he did it's just, that, that, that's, that's why he's so good Graham because he's, he's so petulant and he hates losing that that's why he's great didn't you know that yeah, <laughs> I say, ah, oh, it's delicious. It's delicious. Um, well, uh, something with a bit of meat before we go. Uh, oh. This is, this is I thought I thought this was quite interesting. So Bayern Munich have announced a player development partnership with Los Angeles FC, and it seems to be it seems to be something that's going above and beyond the usual like um, affiliate type things that we've seen in the past. So obviously, Celtic had Santos Lagunas for some reason, I don't know what that even gave us as a club, uh, but it says here, Bundesliga leaders Bayern Munich and MLS Cup champions LAFC will form a joint venture in a bid to bolster the respective player development efforts. The venture which the two organisations are calling a global soccer development cooperation is named Red and Gold Football and will be based in Munich. Each club will own 50% of the venture's shares. Uh, and the quote from the uh, LA general manager is, a partnership that has magnitude is the next step in our evolution as a club. We're extremely excited to work together with Bayern to identify and develop young talent in Southern California and beyond and believe this relationship will provide players throughout our system the ability to maximise our potential. So do you think this is anything more than the, the usual affiliates? Do you think this is the future of modern football, club networking? Obviously, we've got the... Yeah, Red Bull clubs, a bit city group. Do you think this is something that more clubs will be looking to move towards? I think it almost sounds like a group without being a group. If you know, it is a bit, you know, um, it's not the same owners technically, but it's almost like, as I say, a joint venture between them. And it's the way it makes sense for the city group and the Red Bull group. It, it makes sense that you have. An exchange of you know you pool your resources in terms of development, like recruitment, like scouting, and all that. But you also then have a built-in, I guess, halfway of you know you you have one club in, in MLS which is a certain standard, and they have obviously up on a much higher standard. But it kind of feeds into what you know, City's trying to do and stuff, but just not in name. And I guess. It might be easier to do things like this if you have a club that's not, say, in UEFA competitions. Because obviously, mm-hmm. you, there's a, you know City Group and the Red Bull Group. You know, they they have to be 
very careful. I have very careful accounting and and lawyers in terms of tongue is something like you can't have the same owner of the same club facing each other in a competition. So obviously, I think Red Bull gets away with the Leipzig Salzburg thing. A couple of technicalities more than anything. Or something? Yeah. <laughs> so and so obviously, if you have one in the US, say one in Australia, um, one in Asia, um, you you kind of get away from that problem until there's the, the World Super League that's coming. So I guess you're putting in a Celtic context. I think I don't really see a reason why Celtic couldn't have something like this, you know, if they really wanted to. You know, because we talked a lot around the, you know, the B team, uh, giving a pathway to young players. And obviously, Bayern Munich for, for all the great setup, it's not easy to get a pathway there as well, even though they have a you know a second team and the, the Regional Liga. I don't know if you know that's happening. That's good pronunciation. Yeah. Um, Celtic, it's, it's going to be difficult to do that, Scotland. But if you had a team you can place players with in MLS, for example, or even in Australia or somewhere, or if you have a more official partnership in Japan, South Korea, you might have to start thinking in those kind of ways. Um, is there anything you can maximize? Is 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 that the way you can go? Not just some some sort of you know friendship town, you know twinning town with, with somebody else, because um, there was once a player uh, you know, between them. So. Yeah. I've got an idea. Okay, there you go. The team's called Shamrock Rovers. Yes. And we get our best left backs. I like it. It could it's work. Good. It could it's work. Good. Well, Christian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I It has. Thank you. Um, I hope you have a nice time. In, Enjoy. Uh, in, in, in the motherland. Um, remember about the snot that's going to freeze. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the cheese. My stepdad did say something. I should have been told this before, but if it is really snowy and windy, you have to like do the whole convoy over the mountains. So essentially, you can't drive over the mountain alone. You have to be enough cars, so you have enough cars for a convoy, and there's like a leading car in the back car, and you just have to drive over the mountains. How many cars constitute a convoy? I do not know that, but I'm sure you'll be able to find out. Once, yeah, you go there, so. Wow, I don't know what I've got myself in for, but you have got yourself in for a, a lovely evening next week with Annabelle. Annabelle's going to be coming in as my replacement. She might replace me full time. Who knows how well she does? Well, I'd, I'm going to tell Annabelle that she's hosting. Uh, see, see what happens. So. Do it so. just as just as Claire says. Okay, you're good to go. Say Annabelle, you're the host. Go for it. <laughs> you just go. <laughs> right, this has been the review. For the 14th of March, I've been Graham McKay, your host, and we will catch you down the road.